0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well we've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks, amazing story about how a group of people in Thessalonica, Greece, uh, under extreme opposition, persecution. The gospel came to them, and three months later, the, the, Paul and Silas, who brought the gospel to them, had to, to run away for their lives, in essence, and a lot of persecution problems, struggling, sufferings, and somehow that church made it. And didn't just scrape by, but became an example. What an amazing thing that God did there. And so we have been in this series entitled Persuaded because that's what it says happened when Paul and Barnabas came, Paul and Silas came and preached the gospel to them there. It says that some of them were persuaded. They became believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Christ, and it changed everything. And so two weeks ago we saw how Paul talked in, in chapter one of, of his first letter to the Thessalonians. He, he talked about how profoundly changed they were. When we come to Christ, remember, he profoundly changes us. Coming to Christ is not the addition of something onto your life. It isn't the, you know, the addition of stuff to do or coming to church or anything like that. It's, it, remember we talked about being a spiritual being and having a soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, and that we live in a body. Remember that? We talked about that. And we say that what happens when we come to Christ, that moment when we understand that, that we've sinned against God and, and we're worthy of hell... And we we realize that Jesus lived a sinless life and died on the cross paying the penalty for our sins. The Son of God did this for us. Rose again from the dead. That moment when we say yes to him and, and accept, receive Christ as Savior, accept his gift of eternal life, deep down inside of us in our spirits, that part of this, the essence of who we are, we are profoundly changed and changed forever. All that used to be sinful and dead to God is now alive and righteous and holy and pure. And then it has to work its way out into our lives, doesn't it? And that's where the daily struggle comes in. But we are in the process of becoming in our lives out here what we already are on the inside. So profoundly changed. And then we talked about last week about, so how, does, how do we engage with the power of God in this? How, how do we activate God's power? And we saw... If you remember, Paul said, When I came to you and I preached you the word of God, you didn't treat it like men's words, but you treat it like what it really is: the word of God. And last week we talked about this, that we need to treat the scriptures as God's word and think, what would that mean in our lives if we really, really believe that it's God's word? And when we do that and treat it that way, it is alive, it is powerful, and it goes to work in us and makes. Huge changes. And today we want to talk about how do we become holy. This pathway then to holiness in our lives. And so let's take our Bibles and turn to First Thessalonians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you today, we encourage you to take one out from under the chairs there in front of you. And turn to page 1357. Page 1357. In this third chapter, and and obviously Paul didn't write chapters, he wrote a letter. And afterwards, uh, editors said, well, let's divide this up into chapters. And so uh, we're looking here in this third chapter. And the Apostle Paul here, I mean, remember, they had come to Christ at a time of great persecution, right? Great opposition to them. Um, Potentially even like losing your life kind of opposition. And, And so Paul had to leave them. And and then, you know, he says that I was so worried about you. And the, the whole first part of chapter three, that's what he's saying. I was so worried about you. In fact, we finally sent Timothy back to find out what was going on. And he said, It was so good when he came back and we heard, found out this awesome news, and we're really looking forward to being able to come back to you and, and to continue to minister to you and help you grow in your faith. By the way, Paul loved these people. He really, really did love these people. We can tell this from how he talks about them and talks to them in our letter here. What we want to do is look at the last three verses in this chapter here today. So let's start in verse number 11. The Apostle Paul says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. Okay, so we want to come see you. But God's gonna have to open the door. We're depending on him to do that and that's what we're asking him for. Verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. And so Paul here again, we want you to love like we're loving, like we're loving you. We want you to increase, abound in love to one another, not just to one another, but also to whom? What's it say? You guys out there? To all, that's right. And then he continues. He says, so that he, talking about the Lord, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so he's praying that that holiness will be settled in their hearts. They'll be blameless there. So when the Lord returns, that's the way they will be. So Paul here talking about two topics here. One is about loving people like God loves. And the other is having our hearts, having it settled in our hearts, this whole issue of of holiness. So much so that we are blameless on the inside there. Now, I want to talk about both of these concepts today, but I want to start with holiness. I want to start with the one in verse 13 there the idea of holiness. And if we're gonna understand what holiness is, we need to understand uh, God as being holy. When we go through the Bible, and if we're to study and look, say, how is God described? More often than any other attribute, what shows up is His holiness. Well, what do we mean when we're talking about God's holiness? What does that mean? Well, it, it, the first thing that comes to mind, well, let me back up. <laughs> And if I asked you this morning, we said, what is holiness? We'd have got all sorts of answers here today. And it would have depended a lot on what your background was and where you're coming from. I know that I've talked with some of you. Uh, you know, you've come to Christ and you, you've come from a, a different kind of background, a very formal religious background. And you come here and, and this, before the service starts, people are talking and smiling and laughing and shaking hands. And sometimes you feel like this isn't very reverent, it isn't very... Holy, because in your mind, holy means, you know, this big building and quietness and incense and, and the leader dressed up, you know, and, certain, and that seems holy to you. And once again, we get lots of different ideas of holiness. But we want to know, is what does the Bible mean when it's talking about holiness? And so we start with God, because he is the source of holiness, well, it, it obviously means this, that there is no sin in God. No sin. No interest in sin. No desire to sin. There is a total absence of sin in God. Now, can you relate to that? I don't relate very well to that. But I can understand it. Totally absent, okay? Okay. But it's more than that. God's holiness is more than just the absence of sin. There is a positive goodness that goes the other direction in God and His holiness. Uh, it's like this. It's a, maybe we can understand this. If someone says, I'm not sick, does that mean automatically that they are healthy and robust and vigor- in good shape? Doesn't, does it? You cannot be sick. But not be real healthy either. Well, with God, the idea would be not only is He not sick in any way with sin, but He is in perfect health when it comes to the goodness aspect, all right? So He has the whole thing going on. And we just read that God's desire is for us to be blameless in our hearts when it comes to holiness. And this is where the problem comes. You see, in the book of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us, he says that if you don't have holiness, you will never see God. In other words, you won't make it to heaven. Well, there's not much hope there, is there? Because none of us are holy that way from the start, and we aren't that way now. Well, thankfully, remember, this is what God took care of us in Jesus Christ Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was holy like that. He was perfectly holy. And so, this is the picture. Remember our spirit, soul, and, and body. When we receive Christ as Savior at that moment, His holiness gets put to our account. And so, we can be saved and have a relationship with God. So, deep down inside, He has made us holy. But how about in the rest of your life? Are all of your thoughts holy? Are all of your decisions holy? Are all of your feelings, they match holiness? No, they don't, and certainly then our, our actions don't. But, but God is, didn't intend for us to only have this holiness deep down in size. He intends for it to work out into our lives. And so in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, we're told by God, he says, you need to be holy because I am holy. And so there needs to be this growing experience in our lives where we are more and more holy where sin is going away more and more, and that we are becoming and experiencing this goodness of God, this holiness of God in our lives. Easy to do, isn't it? Is it? No, not for me either. It's not easy to do. In fact, it's it's crazy. This is where the problem comes in. The problem of holiness for us is that we know Okay, if, assuming we understand the truth, we know that God has made us holy deep down inside, and we know we need to let that come out into our lives and begin to govern. And and, and we tend to do a good jobs sometimes and not so good others. I mean, just let me tell you, I I have no problem resisting temptation for certain sins. I I'm not really tempted on any sort of regular basis at all to go get drunk. I'm not tempted to steal. And really, I'm very seldom tempted to lie, unless my wife asked me, Did you do something she asked me to do? But even then, I'm not really tempted to lie. I don't want to lie. Okay, those things aren't issues for me. There are other things that are issues for me. I'm not going to tell you what they are. But there are those places where all of a sudden I have a divided heart. I know what ought to be happening, but at the same time, I feel this pull. This pull toward what isn't right and, and you know, it lies to me and tells me what it's gonna do for me and, I, and then I believe in it and I struggle and I, and I have this divide and I cannot, I mean, I have been saved, I'll be saved 41 years in April. 41 years, some of you aren't even that old. And these things still are there. I mean, there's been huge changes in my life, don't misunderstand. But this struggle in my heart, the pull of sin, and, and, and the lies and all that struggle, it's is there. And yet I'm supposed to be holy. And Paul says, you need, I need to become blameless in my heart with respect. Blameless! Wow. <laughs> That's a pretty high standard, isn't it? So how in the world can this happen? How can, can I experience, how can it become a reality in my life? Let's look back at the passage. There's something really interesting here. That is, can give us great hope. Let's read the verses again. Starting in verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So he says, okay, grow in love, increase, and abounding is the idea of, you know, overflowing. It, it comes out from you and splashes out on everybody around you. It, it flows from you into the lives of other people. Learn to love like this. Love people the way God loves people. Why? Well, that's right. But more than that. Look in verse 13. He says, so that. Wow, did you catch those words the first time by? He says, I'm praying that God will, you know, you'll cooperate with God and you'll learn to love like you've never loved before. You will love people. You will love each other. You will love everybody, every human being that comes into your life that you have a connection with. You will love them and increase in that love so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Somehow, there's a connection. And Paul seems to be saying that learning to love and actually loving in that way is going to do something that puts us in a position for God to change our hearts in the area of holiness. So what do we need to be focusing on? See, if I'm struggling here and as I do, sometimes it's not bad, sometimes it's huge, right? Are, anybody experience that besides me with something? Yeah, right? So that, that struggle comes, as it's huge. And I guarantee you, if you focus on that struggle and focus on trying to say no to sin, and you're going to stay there. You'll always be struggling there because you're now focusing on sin. You're focusing on what I shouldn't be. And that's what you're focusing on. But God here says, what I see in the scripture, he says, no, so yeah, don't, don't make that your focus. Yes, if there's sin in your life, you need to try to stop it. We're not saying that, right? Sin's always a bad thing. Sin always hurts you, always hurts other people. So yeah, you need to try to get rid of it. But this, this struggle in your heart, he says, don't focus on that. Focus on loving people. And when you, he says, focus on loving people so that God can work on your heart. Now, I don't understand everything about that or what it means. But I do get that I need to focus on loving. I need to focus on loving you. I need to focus on loving the other people in my life. So let's do that for right now. Let's talk about loving. What does it mean to really love? Let's read the verse here one more time. And actually, before I read it, let me just say this say it this way. What I'm seeing here is this. It's just a short statement to help you remember it. Love people like God, and God will make you holy. Love people the way God loves people, and that will put yourself in a position where God can work in your heart to make you holy. That should be your focus. Love people like God. And God will take care of the holiness in your heart. All right, so what is this love? Let's read it again here. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So what are we talking about when we talk about love like this? Well, as I really chewed on this and, and worked on this this week and thinking again about it, and obviously for many years to think about it, but this idea of loving people like God loves people is, is like, it's, it's how do we value people? What value do we place on people in our lives? And that kind of cuts to the chase for me, this idea of valuing somebody. Because we go through life oftentimes devaluing people and not, you know, not consciously valuing. But when we love like God, who does God love? Who does he love? Everybody. And I need to learn to love like him. And yes, we're going to have a relationship with some people and not with others. But how do I value every human being? How do I value every human being who walks into my life? How do I value every human being I haven't met yet? How do we value them? And so learning to love like God is about beginning to value people like God does. And so let me break it down for you. It looks like this. It's choosing to value someone so highly that you always act in his or her best interests even when it's costly to you. Can you see this is how God loved us, right? Didn't he set that kind of value on us? God loved the world so much that he gave his son and he always acts in our best interest. There's nothing he ever tells us to do that is not in our best interest. There's nothing he ever tells us not to do that is not in our best interests. He always has our best interests in mind, and best interest does not equal pleasure always, but it includes pleasure. God always acts in our best interests. He valued us so highly that he acted in our best interests by sending his son, and how costly was that? How costly was it to the Son of God? In 2 Corinthians it says, he who was rich became poor, so that we who are poor spiritually might become rich in him great cost and so loving people choosing to value someone so highly so that's that's what God did valued me that way valued you that way I get emotional about that how God values me I wouldn't value me that way but he does and then always acting in our best interests. I already, I already explained that, right? And so how do we need to act toward others? Always in their best interests. Once again, that doesn't always mean what comes easy or what they like. It doesn't mean it's always going to be feel good and happy, although there will be plenty of times when it will be feel good and happy. But there may be times where there needs to be some hard things said. Even, even relationships stop because that's what's really in the best interest. So it's, it's really acting in the best interest even, even when it's costly to us. Even when it's costly. It may cost us emotionally. It may cost us time. It may cost us inconvenience. It may cost us a job. Might cost us a Relationship. And we know for a fact around the world today it could cost you your life. See, that's how we're to love. Like God loves. That's what he's called us to do. That's what Paul here is telling us we need to do. This is how I'm supposed to love my spouse. This is how, how, how we're supposed to love our children. This is how we're supposed to love our Our family members. This is how we are supposed to love our neighbors and our co workers. This is how we are to love our enemies. Wow. That's just so not natural. This is how you're supposed to love your enemies. This is how you're supposed to love those people out there in in public and and who have positions of authority and say, do really bad things, stupid things. That's where we're supposed to be at with them. This is how we are to love, according to Paul. He says, each other and to all, everyone. That's who we're supposed to love. Now, Now, what does this look like? I wrote down a few things, and I didn't, didn't want to forget them. So let me just go over this list. Some, and this is just a small list of ways that we can show love. When we love like this, instead of becoming frustrated with people who do wrong, we become brokenhearted for them. Because when they're doing wrong, what are they doing? Hurting themselves, hurting others. When we need to speak truth to someone, especially a truth that's hard to hear, We will speak it in love. We will be motivated by love and do it in the most loving way we know how. When we love like this, we don't use hateful, hurtful words that tear down. And being angry is no excuse, right? We need to love and and always make sure that we use loving, helpful words that build people up. When we love like this, we respect people's boundaries. And, and we never try to manipulate them for our own purposes. And Well, we would never do that, would we? You've never tried to manipulate anybody, have you? Yeah, we all have. When we love like this, we bless those who curse us. We speak good of those who speak evil of us. We, we do good to those who persecute us and seek to harm us. We do good to them. That's, this is the kind of love that God has called us to. When we love like this, we listen carefully to people who who are sharing with us. We listen carefully. And in so doing, we communicate their value. You are worth listening to. What you think, what you feel matters because you matter. We don't ignore the needs of people around us. Instead, we inconvenience ourselves and help them. We offer to babysit for a single mom who needs a night off. We offer a ride to an elderly person who can't get around on their own anymore. We give a grocery store gift card to someone who's been out of work, whatever, right? We, we see those needs and if we're aware of those needs, we, we do what we're able to do to, to meet those needs. And when we love like this, we continue to grow in our understanding of how God has loved us. <laughs> when you do that hardest thing that does not come natural to you in loving somebody else, That's how God loves you. So we we grow in our understanding of how God has loved us and we let his love teach us how to love better, how to love more, how to love more consistently. When we love like this, we sacrifice time, money, and even our lives to help people come to know Christ and to receive the gift of eternal life. We value each person who comes across our paths consciously we value that person standing in line in front of us and behind us and across the counter from us we consider them worth knowing and we treat them as people worth knowing we take a food to a neighbor we know has been sick we mow his lawn we shovel his driveway we open up our lives there's a biggie we open up our lives to our neighbors and co-workers and invite them into our homes to share our lives with them which includes christ we do simple things that communicate we believe people are valuable and worth knowing. We are always ready to share the love of Christ and the gospel as the Lord provides opportunity. All these, I mean, we, this list could go on and on and on and on, right? We could just talk about things that you know and experience your life, and we could find more and more things that would be love. Choosing to value someone so highly that you always act in their best interests even when it's costly to you. That's big, really big. And this is where it brings us to the holiness connection. This kind of love, let me show you how that works. So let's look again here at our verses. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you so that, You're going to love these kind of ways we're talking about. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Okay? So something about loving like this changes our hearts. Loving like this maybe makes our hearts pliable in the hands of God. And and the holiness connection works like this. Because sin, choosing to sin is never in anyone's best interest. Nobody's. Sin always brings death with it. Sin always brings corruption with it. Sin always brings harm. Sin scars. Sin debilitates. And really, when we choose to sin, we have chosen to devalue somebody. That's not loving, is it? When, when we choose to sin, obviously we devalue God in our lives, don't we? Because it's not in God's best interest, all that he's wanting to accomplish, for us to choose to sin. All right, And, and most of the time we sin, there's sins against people. You know, it's, it's outward and, and other people are involved and it connects almost always. And so what have we done? We have just devalued them. We're not acting in their best interests. We're acting selfishly. We're acting on things that aren't even true. We're believing lies and acting on them, We're using those lies as excuses for what we do. But we devalue others when we sin. And you might think, well, the sin I'm thinking about, you know, nobody knows about. It's my secret sin. Yeah, I know it shouldn't be there, but it's, it's secret. Nobody else is getting hurt. Well, first of all, most likely somebody is getting hurt and you don't know it. Secondly, you're hurting yourself. And here, see if I can help you to understand this. When you have a secret sin and you choose to, to commit that, okay, and let it go and, and exist in your life, you are damaging yourself in a way that you cannot be what you ought to be for someone else. Does that make sense? You're hurting yourself so you can't actually love others like they ought to be loved by you because gets in the way. Even though you think nobody knows, it affects you. It's like this. Uh, I'm going to watch a football game this afternoon, Lord willing. Anybody else? Okay. Well, what if one of the third string players says, that ah, doesn't matter. And, and they stayed up last night and partied all night. And they're bleary-eyed and they, they you know, come into the game today and they're there. And the, play, the first string player gets injured. Second string player gets injured and now they're called on to go on the field and they can't bring what they need to be able to bring. That's what I'm trying to say. When we have our secret sin, we aren't able then to bring what we need to bring when we're called upon to do so. But I want you to see, so this idea of devaluing people is, is unloving. And so when we begin to love and, and love more, as he says, we increase in love and abound in love so it's, it's overflowing in our lives. All of a sudden, we, we want to make this, this decision that's in the best interest of somebody else. And this sin just doesn't fit anymore. Because it's not in the best interest. It's a devaluing of somebody. And what's happening? Our hearts are changing. God is changing our hearts because we're loving somebody and that helps us to say no to sin. And so holiness is a big deal. Sin needs to go, we need to try to get it to go, but we have this wrestling match in our heart, but the reality is is we need God to change us here. We're not gonna change by focusing on that problem. God says we need to focus on loving other people Love people like God and God will make you holy. We're talking about a real kind of love though here. Deep kind of love. So this is the way God calls us to love. This is a big thing, isn't it? You want to be holy? We need to be holy. Love people. Take it seriously. Love like you've never loved before. Think about valuing people, really value. This person in front of me is important. This person I'm talking to really matters, matters to God. This, God has set the value of this person. This person matters to me. And I understand there's lots of dynamics. And, but let's don't excuse ourselves because there's lots of dynamics. Let's call ourselves to this higher standard. But well, what would this mean for us as a church? How do we become loving and holy as a church? Well, the same way we're reading here. We need to make sure that we focus on loving people like God loves us. We need to love each other like that. I need to love you like that. You need to love me like that. And we're not going to get it perfect, but we need to keep working on it. I need to keep, you know, challenging myself, need to keep correcting myself and keep moving toward you in love. And I I know in my life that I probably irritate some of you in my personality, okay? You're supposed to value me and love me anyway. And the same way, the other direction. But if we do that, the world, the Bible says the world will know that we are Jesus followers. They will know we're the real deal. Okay? So, we need to love each other like this. And then we, we need to make sure that we love every person who God brings through that door that way. We, we have no wait and see approach to people who God brings in that door. It doesn't matter what they look like, uh, how awkward they are, what problems they're bringing with it, it does not matter we value them like God values them from the moment they walk in the door and we love them in that way and this means folks that you need to sometimes move out of your comfort zone you need to move out of your friendship circle don't let them become cliques you need to look around Every time you're here, value the people around you, but look around and say who's here that I don't know, I haven't met. Who might be new to this? Who needs to experience the love of God here today from me? Who do I need to go over and communicate value to? And stretch yourself and go do it. You say, "I don't know. I've seen him for 6 months and I never talked to him." So what? How valuable are they? walk across the room and say, you know what, I've I've seen you here a long time and I've never met you. And I wanna wanna find out who you are. You don't say this, but you're communicating you're worth knowing. You matter. And when we focus on that, and, and not just here, then we need to, on our communities, think about how do we value the people in our communities? How do we value the people in our region? How do we value the people across our nation? How do we value people around the world? And that'll begin to change, you know, what we do with our, our praying and what we do with our money and what we do with our involvement. And, and get, it's going to change everything. What we want to have happen is that anybody who has contact with us, Life Source Church, to say, I have never met people who love like they do. They think, they think I matter. I've never met people who love like, they seem like the real deal. And I want to be a part of it. That's what we want to have happen. And as we focus on being a loving church and we love people like God loves people, God will make us a holy church. And what could God do with a loving and holy church? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you address these issues of our hearts. I pray, Father, that we will be really challenged and stirred deep down in our spirits and not into our soul. That that we would think about how we value people. We We would look at how you valued us. And we would try to value people the same way. And love them like you have loved us. And we're so grateful that as we do that, you're gonna change our hearts and make us blameless in holiness before you as you've promised to do here in your word. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.